In his book, The Knowledge of the Holy, A.W. Tozer writes this quote, What comes into our minds when we think about God is the most important thing about us. This sounds very profound, doesn't it? It sounds very uh, spiritual, but do you, you really agree with that? Do you think that, is that literally true? Actually, I think, I think it is. I think it's profound and I think it is true because we are created in God's image in order to know him. And not just to, to know him, to know a bunch of facts about God, but to have it in our mind what, what God is like so that we can, we can know him, truth about him, but have a relationship with him and to have hearts that know him and that treasure him. And if we have something in our mind that is different than what God is really like, we are not going to be able to do that well. We are not going to be able to fill the, the ultimate purpose that we exist, to know God, to enjoy him, to treasure him, and ultimately this all being for his glory. And I think for, for too many people, even, even churchgoers, even, even Christians, what comes into our mind when we think about God is way too small. We have this picture of God that is, that is, it is dinky compared to who he is and does not reflect him well and does not really even come close to uh, what he has revealed about himself. And sometimes we have ideas about God that are too small, that are warped, and sometimes things that are just plain wrong to the point where it can be not really God. Maybe we call this God what we're thinking of, but God would say, that's not me. You have some kind of idol in your head. You have something else. And the results of this, one, is that we end up not being impressed by God. We don't have hearts that, that are standing in awe of him, that are treasured, that, that treasure him. It means that we won't trust him the way that we ought to. We end up with a God that's too small to worship, a God that's too small to impact our life. And God is not glorified the way that he deserves to be. And that's a big deal. That is, that is a tragedy. That is, that is a sin. We're going to be talking about that in this series. In Jeremiah chapter 10, 6-7, the prophet writes this. He says, There is none like you, O Lord. You are great, and your name is great in might. Who would not fear you, O king of the nations? For this is your due. This is what God deserves. This is his due. For among all the wise ones of the nations, and in all their kingdoms, there is none like you. In this series that we're going to be officially starting this week, and this week and uh, the, the six after this, a seven-week series, uh, we are going to be, well, our, our goal is to impress you, not by... Uh, the, the, the church building, not necessarily about the, the friendly people or the uh, style of the message or the music, but ultimately, we do want you to be impressed. We want you to be impressed by God, by a God that is a God like, like none other, a God that is, is, is worthy to impress you. And so we are going to be thinking about what's uh, called the attributes of God, specifically what they call the some of these attributes, the incommunicable attributes. Now, I just used a word with incommunicable. That's six syllables right there. Okay? So we're going to talk about what that is, 
because we won't be hitting all of the attributes of God. You know, attributes of God are, are these descriptions of what God is like, his, his qualities, his, his perfections. We talk about God is a God that is holy. God, that a God is a God that is love. He is a God that is, is justice, okay? And those would be examples of communicable attributes. So you can talk about the communicable attributes and the incommunicable attributes. And there's a lot of syllables, but we can figure out what this means pretty easily. Think about um, if, if you have mononucleosis, okay, mono. If you've caught that or you had that, you know, back in the day, you know, remember, what, what else do they call mono? The kissing disease. Yeah, because you can catch it by kissing, uh, trading some saliva. And so that is an example of a communicable disease. It means it can be caught, it can be passed on to someone else. Okay? Now, an incommunicable disease, now you can't catch asthma from somebody that you're sitting next to. Okay, so there's other diseases that you can't catch from somebody else. So the communicable attributes, with this in mind, you know, these are the things that God is like, but he is going to, if you are a believer, through the power of the Holy Spirit, he is making you more and more like that, making you more and more like him in those ways. God is holy. In Leviticus, we kept seeing over and over, you are called to be holy. And if you are a genuine Christian, God is going to be working and you are going to be growing in holiness. God is, is good and he will help you to become a, a better person. God is love. He causes us to become more loving. So those are communicable attributes. And God willing, hopefully we'll do a good series on that sometime. I mean, they come up all the time in scripture as well. But this series is on the incommunicable attributes and sometimes ones that we don't talk about as much. But these are deep, and these are profound and awesome things. And so these are, these are ways that God is not like us, and that you are not like him, and that we are never going to be like God in these ways. And some of these things are so beyond us that it's hard to even fathom these things because you just can't see anything else that's like this to even compare it to, that God is incomparable in these different ways. So we're going to be talking about at least two of those uh, starting today. And so this one is messages on the uniqueness and incomprehensibility of God, which I think is a great place for us to start. So for the first point, as we talk about this, we see that God is absolutely unique. The uniqueness of God. He is one of a kind. There is, there is no one like him. There is none like him as all, at all. And I decided not to just say God is unique. He is, he is absolutely unique. Because we throw around unique a lot, don't we? Okay, because, you know, you're, you're like a snowflake, right? And every one of you, you're like a little snowflake, and every snowflake is different, and I'm like a snowflake, and I'm, I'm special, and you're special, because every snowflake is special. And our problem is we throw around, you know, unique, you know, so often, and everyone is special, that we can make the mistake of thinking that we're just saying God is special, just like you and I are special, and he's his own little special snowflake that's not like anyone else. Here's the thing. God, God is not a snowflake like everyone else. The thing is, you might, we might all be little special snowflakes, but we're all snowflakes, okay? It's, we're all the, the same thing. God is something completely different. He is something, he's a different category. He's a whole different type of, of being 
that isn't even on the same chart, isn't even on the same scale. It's something we, we can't even comprehend what he is like. He isn't just a special snowflake among snowflakes. He's something entirely else. There's none like you. Now, in case you're thinking, well, maybe that's the only place in Scripture where it says it. Okay, maybe you just pick the one place, and maybe really Scripture says God's like anything else. Well, okay, I'm going to give you an avalanche of verses here. And I could do more than this, but here's, here's a few just to help us realize this is a big thing in Scripture. Exodus 8.10, and he said, Tomorrow, Moses said, Be it as you say, so that you may know that there is no one like the Lord our God. Exodus 9.14, Lord saying, For this time I will send all my plagues on you yourself and on your servants and, and your people, so that you may know that there is none like me in all the earth. Deuteronomy 33.26, there is none like God, O Jeshurun, it's a reference to Israel, who rides through the heavens to your help, through the skies in his majesty. Second Samuel 7.22 Therefore you are great, O Lord God, for there is none like you, and there is no God beside you according to all that we have heard with our ears. Psalm 86, 8 through 10. There is none like you among the gods. Small case G there. The, the, the pretend gods. O Lord, nor are there any works like yours. All the nations you have made shall come and, and worship before you, O Lord, and shall glorify your name. For you are great and do wondrous things. You alone are God. And two more, but we could give you lots more than these. Isaiah 46.5 To whom will you liken me and make me equal and compare me that we may be alike? Isaiah 46.9 Remember the former things of old, for I am God and there is no other. I am God and there is none like me. Here's the thing. I think that most people, I think, believe in what I would call, I'll call balloon God. Let me explain what I mean. So I think this, for most people, this is how we tend to uh, construct our view of what God is like in our mind. And what we do is we start with kind of an idea of ourselves. Okay? So we think about what a, uh, what a person is like, what we are like, and maybe like, you know, an ideal person of what we would want to be like. But we start with basically a, a human being, okay? And we know what we are like and the things we are capable of and things that we appreciate. And then basically, we take that and we... We blow it up as big as we can in our minds. And we think, well, our God's too small. Better blow it up a little more. Okay? So we blow up this idea of God in our mind. And we have basically, and we think, well, that, that must be what God is like. 
that it's this basically an inflated view of ourselves. So we think what humans are like and the things that we, we admire, and we, we just expand that in our mind as much as we can. So we think, you know, we are, we're strong, we can do things, God is, God is really strong. Or we think that, you know, God, we're, we're smart, we can do things, God is really, really smart. Or, you know, it's good for people to be nice, and we're nice, so God must be just really, really, really nice. And that's who he is. And I think most people, especially in America, the, their view of God is really some kind of balloon God. It's just an inflated view of, of man. That instead of God creating us in his image, instead we start with us, and we blow that up, and we basically create God in our image. And the truth is, God isn't like this. God isn't just an inflated version of us. He is, he is not on the same scale. He is in his, in his own category. And what we will see is, as we go through the series, and we think about um, all these different attributes of God, these incommunicable attributes, we'll see that even these so-called false gods that are out, are out there, even if they were real, are not even in the same category as God. They don't even deserve to, to even pretend to be in the same category or, or to use the same name as God, even if they were real and they're not. So a big goal of this series, if we have this balloon God view, is for us to, is to pop that view of God. So not only is God one, there's only one God, but he is also one of a kind. I mean, think about it. Some of these things that are true about God, he is, he is infinite. And we don't know anything that is infinite. We are not infinite. We take up just space here. We can be measured. God is infinite. He, cannot be, he can't be measured. It doesn't matter how big of a you know, tape measure you have. It doesn't matter if you could stretch across the galaxy. You cannot measure and contain what God is like. God, think about the difference. God has, all of us, we have bodies. God has no body at all. He's not a material being. God, for God, there is no difference in him between want to and can do. Do you realize that? For us, there are things that you want to do and there's things that you can do and they're not always the same. But for God, there's, there's no difference between those. If he wants to, he can. God is, we're going to see, God is, is pure act. He will never grow or change. Even God doesn't even exist in the same way that we exist. Even if you think, well, we got that in common. I exist, God exists. We're going to see we barely exist. And we exist in a whole different way than God exists. These are going to be some awesome, important things we're going to be talking about, these incommunicable attributes. So let me give you a little preview here of the, the next seven weeks and what we're going to be looking at. Now, if you have different books or theology books, almost everyone has a slightly different version of the incommunicable attributes, and we've grouped some of these in some different ways. Uh, so there's, there's no definitive list, but here's the ones that decided for us to talk about. Today, we're talking about the uniqueness and incomprehensibility of God. Next week, we're going to talk about the aseity of God. That's probably a word that we don't use every uh, day, but this refers to God being uncreated. 
Unlike everything else here that had a maker, God doesn't have a maker. He is self-existent. He is self-sufficient. We are going to talk about the simplicity of God, which probably does not mean what you think it means. Because you might be thinking, we're talking about some pretty deep stuff about God. How can you say that God is simple if he's incomprehensible? This is the old classic definition of simplicity. Okay, This does not mean that God is easy to understand. We're going to see it means that God is not composed of parts. He, nobody had to put God together. You can't take God apart. He is the same thing all the way through. And it's actually an incredibly important doctrine. And it affects everything else. All of the other attributes of God we're going to see are um, everything is connected because of this. We're going to talk about God's timeless eternity. We exist in time. We're stuck in one place on the timeline. We have past, present, and future. What about God, the creator of time? There are time when there wasn't time. These things that blow our minds. God always existing. God not being, being trapped by time. What does this mean? We're going to talk about God being immutable and impassable. Think of the immutable meaning that he doesn't change. He doesn't mutate. He, he doesn't change form. He doesn't improve. He doesn't get, can't get worse and he can't get better. Impassable. Another word that we don't use that much, but, but God isn't the victim of his passions. He, he doesn't have passions. He's not, um, he doesn't suffer with, with emotions. So we're going to talk about what, what exactly that means. We're going to talk about God's immensity that God is not bound by location. He is, uh, he's not just a big stretched out God. He is, he is not bound by lo- location at all. And also, at the end, we'll talk about God's infinity and perfection. That God is just unlimited. He's unlimited in his knowledge. He's unlimited in his power. I was going to have a message here also on the Trinity. That's another way that God is not like us. I mean, none of us are a three-in-one, a triple person. You're one being, one person. God is, God is different than us. And I thought this would fit really well, but as I was thinking about it, I thought, you know what? We'll do that as its own series. So the plan is, in December, we'll do, it, we'll do a series on the Trinity. It's one of these things we talk about all the time, and we kind of assume, and don't ask a whole lot of questions, just kind of assume it. No, let's, let's do a message on the Trinity, and we're going to unpack that. And so these are things that we're going to be coming up to. I'm looking forward to it. And so this means if God is unique like this, this means that when we come up against something that is hard for us to understand about God, because he, it's because he is unlike anything else, this should not shock us. If we think, well, God's, everything I know is like this. God can't be, it should not shock us that God is different. He is not like us. He is different than anything else. If we think, I can't understand these things about God, that's okay because God is incomprehensible. If you have a God that you can totally comprehend, you're not thinking of the right one. That's the second point for today. So God is unique, and this really ties in with the fact that God, as well, is, is incomprehensible. Let me ask you a question. What do you think is maybe the hardest thing for you to understand about God? You know, is it the Trinity? And people have a tough time wrapping their minds around that. How can God be, be three and one at the same time? 
one being, three persons. But still, what, what does that mean? God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, but there's just one God? How can God know everything? How can he have no beginning? What, how, you know, that God is timeless. Well, yeah, God is incomprehensible. There's things about God that we are not going to be able to fully process with our little finite brain that can fit inside your skull. We have limited processing power. We can't comprehend the infinite God. So because God is, he is absolutely unique, he's also incomprehensible. You know, we, we understand things usually by what we already know. If you're being told a description of something, you know, some you know, monster or whatever it is, or food, you know, somebody, and you don't know what it is, they can try to describe it based on something that you already know. Uh, Hope and I went out to Olive Garden on Friday, and uh, I, she, we, I was looking at something, and I had to ask the waitress, what is, what is scampi sauce? I don't even, even know what that is. And she had to describe it, and she used some things that I knew, and okay, that's, that's what it is, I guess. And, you know, if she had said, well, it's like, you know, waka waka doo-doo, yeah, sauce, I, I would still have no idea what she's talking about. You know, but she described it with something I know. But if God is not like anything we know, then we're going to have a tough time with that. You know, in some ways, it's like trying to describe the color red to a blind person that's been born blind. You know, just, we don't know what to compare it to. And so when people, you know, when they create false gods, you know, all the false gods that are out there, they usually start with something that, that we know. So they may make a false god that's like, you know, worship the sun or a, or a buffalo, you know, or some, some monster with the, the, the head of a monkey and the antlers of a reindeer and the, the body of a porcupine. Something strange, but it's some concoction that is based on things that we already know, just kind of put together. I heard once a little girl was in Sunday school class, and she was drawing a picture. And Sunday school teacher said, oh, you know, sweetie, what are you, what are you drawing there? And she said, I'm drawing a picture of God. And the Sunday school teacher lovingly said to her, well, well you know that no one knows really what God looks like. And the little girl said, they will when I'm finished. <laughs> now, that's cute, but good luck. Because we're not going to be able to do that. Uh, we can't capture what God is like. Let me give you some verses here that talk about the incomprehensibility of God. Job eleven seven through 9. Can you find out the deep things of God? I love that phrase, the deep things of God. Can you find out the limit of the Almighty? It is higher than heaven. What can you do? Deeper than Sheol, what can you know? Its measure is longer than the earth and broader than the sea. Psalm 145.3 Great is the Lord and greatly to be praised, and his greatness is unsearchable. In Psalm 147.4-5 He determines the number of stars. Were you here last week? He determines the number of stars and he gives to all of them their names. Great is our Lord and abundant in power. His understanding is beyond measure. Isaiah 55, 8 through 9. For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. 
1 Timothy 6, 15-16. He who is the blessed and only sovereign, the King of kings, the Lord of lords, who alone has immortality, who dwells in unapproachable light, whom no one has ever seen or can see, to him be honor and dominion. Amen. There are other things that, that we cannot comprehend at all. It shouldn't blow our mind that we can't comprehend God. I mean, I remember being in elementary school, and the teacher was talking about magnetism and magnets. And it was pretty interesting. Who doesn't like magnets? You know, and talking about how the magnetic fields work in the north and the south pole. And if you have two you know, north and south, they'll stick together. But if it's two of the same, they'll repel. And I raised my hand, and I asked the teacher, and I, I wasn't trying to be a troublemaker or anything. I just asked, but what, what is magnetism? And she kind of said, well, you know, this is how it works, the, the south and the north. And they, I said, I know, I get that, but, but what is it? I want to know, what, what, what is it? And this is the first time I realized that teachers don't know everything. <laughs> I just, and God bless all the teachers out there. You know, but I you kind of thought they just, they know all the answers. And I realized they don't know. And now I realize it's not really the fault of just this teacher because no one really knows. I mean, you can talk about flow of electrons and things like that, but what causes, you know, electrons and protons have different charges? And you, you can try to give explanations, but honestly, I don't think we really know. We don't understand, you know, gravity. I mean, what is, what is gravity? It's keeping me from flying up to the ceiling, but what is it? You can talk about, well, it warps, you know, uh, space. It's like a, putting a bowling ball on a trampoline and it warps the curvature of space. Okay, yeah, but what is it? it nobody knows. If they did, if they knew all these things, they, you'd win Nobel Prize upon Nobel Prize. We don't even know what light really is and how it works. It's a thing that you see most of. <laughs> it, is it a wave? Is it a particle? And it behaves like one and it behaves like the other and it shouldn't be both, but yet it is. We don't understand these things. But yet if we think, God should be pretty simple to me, and if you can't explain him in a way that makes sense to me and that I judge to be rational, I'm not going to believe in this God. Well, you probably believe in light, okay? And you probably believe in gravity and magnetism and all these things, and you don't understand it. We use our phones, we use this, and do we really understand how that works? And we think that we should be able to wrap our mind around the infinite, awesome, eternal God and that we should be able to understand him. And if we don't, we're going to say, well, I don't believe in him because my rational powers, this doesn't make sense to me. That's ridiculous. That, that's, that's arrogant. That's, that's foolish of us to be like that. Thomas Aquinas, the, the greatest theologian of the Middle Ages, he, he put it this way. He said, the infinite cannot be contained by the finite goes on, he says, God exists infinitely and nothing finite can grasp him infinitely. Aquinas concludes, it is impossible for a created mind to understand God infinitely. It is impossible, therefore, to comprehend him. There's so many things we don't understand. Light, gravity. Husbands, we don't even understand our wives. I mean, why do there need to be that many pillows on the bed? I don't get it. You know, different shapes. What do we, you have to take them off when you go to bed. We, we, we don't even understand that. We think we're going to understand the, the God of the universe and to comprehend him. 
Now, when we say we can't comprehend God, does that mean we can't know anything about God? Well, what's the point of being here? We can't know anything about God, and so it's, we're all just groping in the dark. Everyone's opinion is the same because you can't know anything. That's not what we're saying. Let me be real clear on that. The truth is, we can know God, but we can't comprehend him. There's a difference. Okay, we can know God truthfully. We can know true things about God because God has revealed those things to us. But that is different than knowing God fully, comprehending him. To comprehend something means to know it fully, to be able to wrap your minds completely around something, if you truly understand it. We can know things about God, and we can know these things truly, because God has communicated them to us. He is a good communicator. He is true. And so what he has communicated, we know truly, but that's different than wrapping our minds around him. He's too big for that. If you have wrapped your mind around something that you think is God, you can be sure that's not really him. We can be trying. We should. God wants us to know him more. But the more we understand him, the more we're going to realize how much he he doesn't fit. We'll know true things, but one of those true things is that we cannot comprehend what he is like. Even when we talk about God and the things that he has revealed to us, God is a good communicator, but we are finite I mean, we have like three pounds of processing power here in, inside our skulls. And so some of the things when we talk about God, realize it, it's often easier for us to say what God is not than what he is. So many of the things that we talk about God, he is infinite. That just means he is not finite. Finite is limited. We can't really wrap our minds around what infinite means. We're just saying he's not finite immutable. just means he's, he's not mutable. Also, when we talk about God and when we, he's described to us in Scripture, Scripture oftentimes uses what's called anthropomorphic language. A bunch of syllables there, but we can figure this one out too. Anthropomorphic. Um, anthropology is the study of human beings. Okay, morph. Okay, uh, the mighty Morphin Power Rangers. Okay, I'm communicating to at least two generations here. You know, they, they change form to morph. It's your form. So anthropomorphic means human form, human form language. And so there are expressions in Scripture where he's described for our benefit using human form, but these are human expressions that are not really intended to communicate that God has those human features. For example, if Scripture talks about the eyes of the Lord, it means that, that God sees, that he perceives, he knows. It doesn't mean that God has eyeballs somewhere, that there's big, you know, floaty, invisible eyeballs somewhere in space, you know, looking for you. And we, we get that. It's using human form language, but it doesn't mean that God is actually like that. God doesn't have arms, he doesn't have legs, he doesn't have wings. And even when we say some things about God, it's, let's say God is good. We don't mean that the same way you say good kitty. You're a good kitty. And a God, you're a good God in the same way. It's kind of like it. It's not completely different, but it's definitely not exactly the same. There's, there's an analogy in language, but it's not the exact same thing. Let me give you three applications here at the end. Putting this all together, what is this, how, why is this important? One, if there are communicable attributes and incommunicable attributes, 
Grow in the ways that you are supposed to be like God and stop trying to be like him in the ways that you can't. There are certain ways that you are, Christian, called to be like him. You are called to grow in holiness. Don't be content being like you are. With his help, grow in holiness. Grow in love. Grow in, grow in truth. And uh, so many of these things, in, in justice, in mercy, in kindness. Okay? But there's other things that God is like this. You will never be like this. Don't try. You're not supposed to be like this. You can't. You shouldn't be like this. And it can actually be detrimental and sinful for you to try to be like this. You cannot be everywhere at once. You cannot be everything to everyone. Stop trying to do that. Stop trying to stretch yourself and be everything to everyone and at the same time. You are limited. Accept that. That's who you are. You are not unlimited like God is. You are not self-sufficient. Stop trying to be self-sufficient. God is the only one that's self-sufficient. And there's one thing to say for, you know, working hard and, and doing that. But you depend on God every moment. That breath that you just take, took, that's not air that you created. And you did not take that with lungs that you created. You depend on God every single moment. If he wasn't upholding you and upholding this whole world, we would just poof out of existence. God is self-existent and self-sufficient. You are not. Stop trying to be self-sufficient. God doesn't need to rest. Guess what you do? If you're going to go and never, ever rest, are you trying to be like God in a way that you can't be like God? And you know what? You and I we're not made to be the center of the universe. We were not made to be the center of the universe. Our kids were not made to be the center of the universe. But you know what? God is. In the sense that everything is about him. It's not about us. That's part of the original sin with Satan, too. You want to be, Satan tempted, you know, Adam and Eve, to be like God in the wrong way. And when we sin, we're always trying to be like God in the wrong way. It's about my will. It's about what I want. I need to be the center. I need to be the focus of everything. Nope. God was not made to revolve around us. We were made to revolve around him, for him to be the center of our lives. Second application. Don't be shocked when you can't grasp everything about God. This should give us humility. Maybe you like studying theology. Maybe you like studying God's word. That's awesome, and you should. We need to have humility to realize that we are limited in this. We can know true things, but we cannot know everything. And we should never limit God by what we think makes sense to us. God is the only expert on God. And we should believe what he tells us in his word. We can put it like this. God is is bigger than your brain. He is bigger than what you and I can comprehend. And this means that this is the good news, that God is mind-blowing. This is a God that the more we find out these things and we, we stretch our minds until they, until they snap, that uh, we have this God that should impress us, a God that is different from us in a good way, in an awesome way. If you can't comprehend the real God, that is, that is good. 
If you could comprehend him, you wouldn't worship him the way that you should. So think about God and keep thinking about God until your brain hurts. But at the end, then, get down on your knees and worship him. That is what we are created for. And when we think about him until our brain hurts, we will realize how awesome more and more that he is. Get on our knees confessing that God comprehending you is above my pay grade. But what I do know is that you are amazing and you deserve my worship. And if you want to think about something really amazing, keep reminding yourself that this God, this awesome God that we are talking about, and going to keep talking about these next weeks, that this is the God that loved you enough that Jesus Christ came to earth and that he died on the cross so that by coming to him in faith, you can have eternal life with him. He did this while we were still sinners. Yeah, be impressed. The living God of the Bible is a God like none other. Let's pray. Almighty God, you are awesome. You are incomparable, incomprehensible. God, there is truly, there is none like you. And Lord, we confess that we will never be able to comprehend you. You are a God that is too big for us to wrap our minds around. But we thank you that you have revealed truth about us in, in your word, in scripture. Help us to not judge you by what we think is right or what's rational to us or makes sense to us, but instead to receive what, what you have said about yourself in your inerrant and inspired word and let us believe it. Let us stretch our minds to try and to think the deep things of God, but then to realize that you are awesome and to just fall down and give you worship. You are a God that is big enough to worship and the God that is big enough to trust. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.